It's episode 1066, 1066. I see these podcasters like episode 24. I'm like, come on. Come on. What? Hmm. Cross a thousand and talk to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, don't right. even number them until we it, get to four, you know, four digits. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's a relevant podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And joining me from Loverland, Virginia is Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, our very own downtown Emily Brown. Hey, y'all. Should I... You're not downtown. You're in Brentwood. I've never been. I'm not in Brentwood. I've never been downtown. And I lived in like a small town for a while. And you still called me downtown. Small town, Emily Brown. Small town, Emily Brown. I like it. And just down the street there in Antioch, uh, rapper, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What up? Uh, we have a great show in store for you today. Jamie Torkowski joins us later. He's a friend of the show. He has been a long time. We are, uh, he's the founder of Trite Love and Arms. The reason why Jamie's joining us is uh, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. And he started an organization years ago, Trite Love, uh, that obviously is focused on that epidemic in this generation. And he's a leading voice in this. And, and frankly, Emily has a framed thing behind her head that is a Jamie Torkowski writing. Wow. Uh, so... It's perfect. So yeah. Jamie's joining us later. So that'll be fun. Stay tuned for that. Guys, I have, we're, we're on the cusp of summer, right? It's, it's, it's warming up. I have a bold summer prediction. Come to okay. Florida. It's full on summer already, dude. Right. I'm in well, the pool every well, weekend. This is, this is a bold prediction. Camera, I feel like you're going to have strong opinions about this because, because of college. Um, I think this is summer rollerblading makes a non-ironic comeback. <laughs> and I have, I have my reasons. One... I have a street, I, I have, I, I, my office is street level, you know, yeah. windows. I look at people up and down the sidewalk right near a, you know, kind of a, 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 a very active area. Yeah. I've been noticing rollerbladers are peppered into the mix and these are not like hipster. These are, you know, like ironic rollerbladers. These are non-ironic. They're, they're in very athletic gear. They look pretty fun. They look like they're having a good time. So that, that's sort of anecdotal, right? I've just seen kind of peppered into the mix a little. Two, <laughs> the Barbie movie trailer, right? I mean, it's oh, sweeping yeah. the nation. Everybody, you know, the, those those set pictures of 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 uh, Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie rollerblading in the movie. I think every, here's the thing: everyone is thinking the same thing. Why did rollerblading ever go away? Like it's it it looks awesome. All anyone who rollerbladed at the time, Derek. I want to know your take. Why did ra- rollerblading go away, Derek? What's the beef, man? I'm going to say that that is something that I've only seen prevalent in the white community. <laughs> but Derek, to unpack why, why, what, what is, what do non-rollerbladers have against that? In fact, my mom bought me some rollerblades for Christmas when I was like 10 years old and them joints, I might've put them on my feet twice. Like I just have never seen like, this is one I'm going to sit out y'all. Hold on, hold on, Derek. Hold on. This is okay. I hear you, but I also I follow a whole lot of IG accounts of like roller skating, and that is huge in the black community. Like roller skating rinks. Let's unpack that. Why do you follow a lot of Instagram accounts? Because they're awesome. It's awesome. Have you ever watched roller skating videos? Like they the, the dances yeah, and the slides and the whatever. Them. I don't follow multiple accounts in on the, Instagram. Like two of them. I have never okay. seen a black person roller skating outside of, outside the of a roller, roller skating. Rink. 
That's I what I'm you. saying. I don't know, I and I don't you. know where that came from. Venice where it's Beach, like, oh, there's right. there's guys doing like tricks and stuff, and there's black and white doing that. For sure, but that's one place True. across the globe. True. <laughs> so we'll that. Listen, I'll I'm, say in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, you just don't see yeah. black people outside with short shorts on and rollerblades. I'm with you. Just doing their thing. I, I don't see it. I'm not saying it don't exist. I'm not saying that I speak for all black people. It might be a whole crop of us that's just like, wait a minute, we dominate rollerblading. I'm like, look, I'm just saying <laughs> I've never seen it. No, here, here's my thing is, like, I don't own a pair and I don't plan on it. This is a prediction, okay? But I will say this. My pride may be preventing me from having one of the greatest afternoons of my life of just Dude. strapping on a pair of blades Dude. and not caring what the world thinks. Here's okay. The thing. it, is there like an age limit though? Like at no. what certain point is it like you probably shouldn't be doing no, this? No, I've seen some I've seen some rollerbladers that you would not that if you saw them with non rollerblades, you would not think that's a blader. Okay. Like <laughs> I, I feel like there's a name for them? I'm I'm calling them that. What do you want to call them? I don't know if you would have watched that Disney movie um, from like the 90s, but um, there's like a line where he's like, whatever, bro, let's blade. That's what I think of when you Good. say. So I'm so traumatized by my very brief window in the 90s of rollerblading in college. Like I, I got them. I forget what year of my college mm -hmm. tenure it was, but it, I went to school in Tulsa. And so there's this riverfront park and it's yeah. a long, wide, you know, beautiful park, wide sidewalks. And, you know, it was the 90s. So people would rollerblade down. The problem is if you start down by ORU, you end up downtown. And then you got to make a circle to come back. And so when you get downtown, you kind of want to explore downtown. I'm downtown now. Let's go rollerblade downtown. Yeah. The problem is there's hills. And I mm -hmm. forgot about the hills. <laughs> and so I got up to the top of this hill and I'm like, my friend, who was an accomplished rollerblader in the 90s, yeah. took off down the hill. And I'm like, oh, I got to go with my friend. There's nothing more terrifying than skateboarding or rollerblading down a hill with rough asphalt and you are not confident in your ankles. And so you get about halfway down and you're like getting the wobble. I it shot me off into the like I, I fell rolled. I, I my entire thigh and back was completely road rash. Mm. I ended up in the bushes. I, I was done. I retired that day. I was like I was fine rollerblading when it's level like here in Florida. I'd be fine. But the hills, man, hills. Hills aside, I'm just talking pure image based. Okay, if you're in a hilly area, you got to be prepared to crawl back up that hill on your hands and knees. It's the only way to go on rollerblades. It's humiliating. I'm talking it's about terrible. standard flatline. I was walking down the street the other day down here. Somebody rollerbladed by me, jumped, 180, looked at me as they're rollerblading away. We made, we made eye. And I'm not gonna lie. At first, I was like, "Who's this goofball?" And the second, I was like, "You know what?" It's kind of bad. That's kind of good. Like you, you know what? Who who yeah. here is yeah. the one that should be laughed at? The yeah. person that is it, that he is was asserting it, dominance for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I'm talking. It was, was it a slowbo, Jesse. <laughs> he was like he was like a bird that like puffed up his wings he, like, to like threaten me. Yeah, yeah. While he did yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. That interaction changed my whole perspective on rollerblading. <laughs> like, because there's no coming back from that. I mean, what am I gonna do? I'm I'm, so, I'm, I'm on. See, you're into you're intrigued because you saw a dominant, skilled person 
can impress you. If you would have seen, if you had seen me flying by you on a hill, screaming and wobbling, and then scraping my back up, you would have been like rollerblading is over for a reason. Rollerblading ended for a reason. You would not be having this take. This take is because of one man. Imagine you walking back from a coffee shop, okay, (laughs) just minding your own business. You got a pot in, so you don't even hear them coming, and you couldn't anyway because those rollerblades wheels are almost silent. Like when you get a roller chair at an office and someone put those rollerblade wheels on there, yeah, everyone wants that chair, okay? Right, because you just glide, okay? Yeah, now imagine, okay, so point number one: rollerblade wheels are awesome. We know that from office chairs. (laughs) Rest my case. No one's debating that. It's the first chair when you go to a conference, when you go to the meeting, or whatever. That's the first chair off the board, the one with the rollerblade wheels. Okay? There's no debate. You're walking down. Someone comes right, I mean, almost brushes your shoulder, jumps, does a 180, and just stares at you rollerblading away. Like I said, you don't know what to do with that. (laughs) All you know is like, all right, that was pretty awesome. And who's the sucker here? The, the, The person being made fun of on rollerblades? Or, or me walking with two feet like a sucker. Well, when you come down this summer, Cohen got briefly into street hockey. And so he has size 11 and a half rollerblades. So you can borrow his 11 Perfect. and a half rollerblades and you can play around in my neighborhood to see if you enjoy Perfect. it. Perfect. So. Give me an afternoon. I'm thinking of doing that 180. I think it's that's all it's going to take. Give me a couple of little of those traffic cones to kind of, you know, weave <sighs> in and out of. I'll Derek, be, I'll be what awesome. size are your feet? 12 and a half, 13? Both. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm 12 and a half. So like, I'll get a pair, and then when you come down, you can borrow mine. And say who me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I won't be rollerblading Derek, with anyone. Derek, open your mind. Open your and open your it's heart. Open. It's open. You can be a trendsetter, dude. You can be a trendsetter. No, I like it. I'm not setting the trend of falling on. Like I don't even like the regular roller skating. Like I'm like, I'm like, even on the, the thing with the, the circle and they got good music playing and I'm just falling around to, to Frankie Beverly and Maze. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I'm not trying to do that. Like, I'm not. No, no. I'm I was good. in fourth grade. I was at, I was at the roller rink and for like a birthday party or whatever. And there's a girl I liked and uh, Eye of the Tiger came on. And you know, when Eye of the Tiger comes on, it's like, you gotta like step it up, like, bam, bam, bam. You start. And so I started skating like a lot faster to kind of impress her, to try to do what Jesse was impressed by. Mm -hmm. Right when I flew by her, lose the right foot and slam right into the wall. And uh, she never liked me, just FYI. So I've had traumatic rollerblading and roller skating incidences. I'm done, no wheels on my feet, so. That train also, can pass I, me by. I also feel like Heelys could come. Like if someone I just was, started rocking I Heelys. I want them to come back so badly. That would be so fun. What are you talking about? They have adult Heelys. Just go online and I get know, them. I know, but like, they, it's, it's not as cool as a blader, you know? But like, you don't yeah. have to reveal that you have a Heely on. You only reveal I mean, it when you choose to. It's when I start <laughs> way that I have a Heely on. <laughs> you can't subtly have a Heely on. That's like yeah, not how they that's work. That's true. You're <laughs> clamping around either way, you know? <laughs> like yeah. you have snowshoes on or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, like I said, we have a good show in store for you. Stay- if I worked in a highly tiled environment with a lot of tile floors, I might consider. Like uh, for real. Like, if like you worked at a warehouse or something, why wouldn't you? If I worked at like an Heelys? Amazon warehouse, I'd be for sitting real. around there. Yeah. They, they why wouldn't you? Get on it, Bezos. Adult Heelys should be a thing. Or they are a thing. They should be more common. Yeah. All right. Okay. Stay tuned. Up next is Slices.
South Street Making ends and your money meet Worry about what you're gonna eat Yeah, yeah, yeah Let's talk about how you skipped over your grave Two hands, one prayer, and everything changed And I know the truth and you know it too you're listening to Lauren Daigle. The song is new. It's her new song called New. It's her new single. It's called New. It's like a who's on first thing. New by Lauren Daigle. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen Season 4. Episodes 1 through 3 of The Chosen Season 4 are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for Slices. All right, what do you have, Jesse? All right, I... As, as you guys have been aware, I've been heavily into coaching Little League Baseball recently. Um, and uh, I've observed a lot of tension with the umpires uh, for, for good reason. You know, um, some of them, you can tell they're phoning it in a little bit. You know, they're, they're, I don't know how much they get paid per game, but, you know, some of them don't take it serious. But I will say this, not an easy job. A lot of parents are always griping. And a Little League in New Jersey has figured out a solution to prevent parents from, uh, uh, you know, abusing, abusing the refs, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I'd like to see this done at a professional level too, Cameron. I, I do. I saw this story. I think we reported this story and I cannot wait for this to become common and go to the professional ranks. So, but well, let me, let me tell you what it is. And then I have a whole take on it too, is, yeah. you know, long story short, the, this, so many umpires were quitting that if league, if little league officials at the ballpark, see you criticizing an umpire, they will kick you out. And if you want to be able to come back and go to games, you have to volunteer to umpire three games yourself <laughs> and, and, and experience what it's like. <laughs> I love it as an idea. Dude, you I didn't know this. You didn't hear about this story. This is I great. Know, I, know, I know about it. It's just hilarious still. I'm still. Every yeah, time funny. I hear about it, my son, like, watching my son play football. These people give it to the refs. I know. Right. It's so bad over a, a five-year-old with a, with a yeah. football. It's hilarious. So I love it. I think the same thing. I would love to see. I would love to see the lo- a, a local church do it. Like you, you're complaining about the sermon. Guess guess who's preaching next week? You're up. <laughs> you're up. Batter up. You didn't like it. Okay, step up to the plate. You know what I mean? I would like to see. I would like to see an artist do it. Like you know, you Derek, you're performing. You don't feel like you're getting the love from somebody. You get a bad review. All right, come up on stage. You're up. This is just a policy across the board that I think we should apply. I think they're onto something that could extend to other. I think parts they're onto something life. too. They're, last season, I was John at one of the refs. Now every NBA ref is different. There's always a ref that takes it too seriously. There's a ref that ignores you, and there's a ref that has a good sense of humor. Every crew has those three guys. And you all know I go to Magic games, and I and I give the refs constructive observations throughout the game to help them do their job better. You know, one of the refs this year, he kind of like turned around and looked at me and handed me his whistle. Like yeah. you do it. He, he was onto this. He was like, okay, you think, you think I, you saw something I didn't see, then you come do it, you know? But, but beyond officiating, like I said, if I have like, let's say I'm at the dentist, I'm like, ah, oh, Dennis, you're a little rough on this filling. I want him to hand me the drill, be like next patient, you're up, man. But you think you can do it better? Get <laughs> you in there. Do it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, here's yeah. a bunch of mirrors. Good luck, man. I just think this is a good policy. 
<laughs> you know, you don't like how your foods your food came out. You know, in the kitchen. Go cook. Go cook yeah. it. Yeah, a little too far. D- Derek, when you go to your kids' games, what's your demeanor? Like, are you one of the vocal parents? I'm vocal, but I'm not vocal on the reps. I don't really care what the reps do. I'm really cheering my son on. Like that's You're my cheering. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I'm that dad. It's like get him, get him, son. You got this. Like I'm that dad. I'm not the. I'm not the. Hey, that was a. That was not a this. That was. I'm, I don't do that. I don't because really, it doesn't change anything. You're just yelling for no reason. So for me, you know, I don't as vocal as I am at basketball professional basketball games, when I go to Cohen's games, I am the quietest parent there. Like I, I, I'll, I'll cheer for him if he does well, but I do not talk to refs. I do not talk. I mean, these are children, you know, (laughs) like, it's like, I'm like, I'm very aware of like, don't put pressure on the kids that, you know, they're not ready for or whatever, or the refs, but yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's running on the sideline when they're doing good. Like I'm encouraging the kids. That's what, that's what I like doing. I like being vocal in that way. Tell them, Hey, it's okay. Get up. You got this. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's more my demeanor. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Uh, what do you have, Emily? Um, I want to talk about an ongoing trial that Ed Sheeran is a part of. Um, he is currently facing a lawsuit against uh, for one of his songs, Thinking Out Loud, which has been accused of um, copyright for Marvin Gaye's classic Let's Get It On. Um, and he said that if he's found guilty, he's going to quit music altogether. Mm. Um because he just basically is like, if you think... Jason, do you have an applause sound cl- sound effect? Can we... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to shade Ed Sheeran. He's a talented man. Whatever. It's fine. I will say, if you went to a wedding in the single year of 2017, you heard his song, Perfect, because everybody used it for their like first dance song. And it does get old after a while, guys. I'm sorry. Um, no, but he, he said he was quitting because he was just like, you know, if you think if you're accusing me of what I'm doing, like I would be an idiot to stand on front of stage and say that I had created these songs. Um, But it's interesting because his defense is that a lot of specifically pop songs, they use a lot of the same chord progressions and they, they do sort of sample each other, which I've heard that argument before. Um, And so it is going to be interesting to see how the court decides, because I think this could set a precedent for a lot of music. If he is found guilty what does that do for music? What's it going to sound like? So he's saying, I did not note by note emulate Marvin Gaye's song. He's mm-hmm. saying Marvin Gaye drew from the same well that I drew from. Right. And there's only a certain amount of notes and certain amount of chord progressions. Yeah. And there's overlap all the time by a ton of people. Mm-hmm. Why are you singling me out? That's what he's saying, basically. Right. It didn't work out so well for Robin Thicke and Pharrell. So. So, so talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it's the same. It's literally the same case with the same uh, artist, Marvin Gaye's estate, and they did uh, blurred lines and they lost. It was Robin Thicke, Pharrell, and Ti at the time, which was a huge collaboration. Mm-hmm. So Ed might be, you know, you might be on the sideline, buddy, because it seemed like whoever the lawyers are for the Gay, the Marvin Gaye family estate. They ain't playing. But, but I, w- I will say this, though. The blurred lines, like, you know, that is extremely, sim- like, even like the little. It was almost like int- it was sampled. Yeah, yeah it, was, yeah. it was an exact. Even, even yeah. like the instrumentation was yeah. was the same. Where where I feel like they were more saying with Ed Sheeran, it's more of like the cadence and, yeah. you know, kind of the, the flow where the other one sounds like a direct imitation of, yeah. you, you know what I mean? But, but again, this is why I guess it's going to a jury because it, obviously these are 
blurred lines. You know what but, I mean? The, but this is crazy to me is that Ed Sheeran is going, I literally will quit music if I'm found guilty of this because that means I can't create anymore because mm -hmm. I didn't copy that song. If you're saying I did, then you're going to say I copied stuff in the future. What's the point of even making music anymore? And he's going to walk away. On the other hand, Robin Thicke, he didn't quit. He just got fired from music. Nobody cares anymore after that case. You know, like Robin, mm -hmm. Robin Thicke uh, had the same result. He just didn't well, choose I think it, it was for that. himself. And then he also was, yeah. you know, he was a jerk a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I'm saying yeah. Like, there was some blurred yeah. lines. Yeah. 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 So if you uh, if you want to never hear Ed Sheeran again, I uh, should pay attention to how this case resolves in the next week. So, OK, what do you have, Derek? So there's a, two antitrust bills against uh, Live Nation uh, to unlock the uh, the ticket fiasco that we all have dealt with. Beyonce tickets, you know, up there crazy. Taylor mm -hmm. Swift tickets up there crazy. And what's being communicated is there's just not enough competition among ticketing companies so there's mm -hmm. two bills uh that are being presented to try to break that up and it sucks because you know i mean the, the whole premise of the bill is you know for most people in this inflationary time they're trying to get their dollars together to take their family to a great outing to see some major artists and then the resale market is just buying up all these tickets and then there's some sort of almost like stock market within just like ticket sales that drive these tickets through the roof. So mm -hmm. I think this is a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's inconvenient for the artists and it's inconvenient for the fan because at the end of the day, the artists are trying to set tickets so that they can connect with their fans and fans are trying to get with the artists. I've seen, uh, what's her name? Maggie. Maggie, Maggie Rogers. Rogers. Yeah. Maggie Rogers is literally was like, yo, you just got to buy the tickets straight from me. Like from the box office, you have to go to a physical box office. Box office, yeah. don't yeah. even worry about that. And and I think that that's great, but you shouldn't have to do that. Right. There's yeah. some sort of regulation to where someone can buy an affordable ticket without getting hit with four billion fees that mm. don't matter. So well, so there's two, two the the two bills specifically are addressing two different things. One is addressing the the secretive way that the fees are added on so you see this ticket is $75 and you go to check out and then when they add on all the fees that that $75 ticket is $128 mm -hmm. so the first bill is going to have upfront one one total price so that ticket will be 128 to you so there's no surprises mm -hmm. after you go to try to buy it that's the first bill the second bill is actually trying to break up the monopoly where live nation which owns ticketmaster live nation owns all the arenas mm -hmm. and major concert venues and they have an exclusivity thing that if you're a big band that wants to do an arena tour you and you want to play at our arenas, then you have to use Ticketmaster for your ticket sales. And so there's a monopoly there. So the other bill would break that up, that you can't have exclusivity. The third bill that the Biden administration is actually pushing is to eliminate junk fees. This is not just with concerts. This will be airlines. This will be like all this other stuff where like, Sporting all those events, fees, yeah. sporting events, all those fees, not just putting it up front and pricing, but actually making those fees illegal. You got to just put them in the ticket price and you can't add on anything after the fact. So and it's, even, have you ever looked, have you ever rented a car and looked at all of the fees? Right. That'd be it's part of it too. Ridiculous. Yeah, cars. It's like, yo, this is the, the breathing air fee. Yeah. This is the yeah. hotels, the but resort fee or whatever. Well, yeah. it's, it's like that old episode of Seinfeld where George or 
uh, uh, Jerry buys a new car and he's asking Putty, who's the car salesman, about some of the fees. He's like, what's the undercoating fee? He's we don't even know what that is. Like a lot <laughs> right. of it is just like, yeah. you know, g- g- you know, semantics essentially, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's a way for the dealer to just squeeze more money out of you. Yeah. And so anyway, there, that's not ready to get past. These first two are uh, getting put up for a vote. The, the junk fee thing is a little bit more comprehensive, but Hey, it's good for consumers. And ultimately that'll, if, if there's more ticketing options and there's, you know, somebody wants to come in and undercut the industry, that'll drive prices down. Ticketmaster will have to match, right? So, like, it's going to be good for consumers, the more competition. So, yay. We're all about the free market. So, okay, that'll do it for Slices. Make sure to check out RelevantMagazine.com every weekday where we're covering a lot of stuff like this and more. Oh, look at this. This is the benefit of having <laughs> the news in front of me while we record. Ed Sheeran. Not guilty. <laughs> so sorry, Emily, oh. that we talked about that whole thing about him uh, possibly uh, quitting music if he was found guilty. Well, thankfully, Ed, Ed Sheeran fans can breathe a huge sigh of relief and newlyweds who are picking their wedding songs because Ed Sheeran is going to be sticking with music, I guess, because he has just been found not guilty. So Good. there you go. All right. Stay tuned. Up next, Jamie Torkowski joins us. The whole week off just to kick it with you daily there on the daytime In the meantime, I'll be on a mean grind grafting But don't worry cause I will be fine I used to pedal till my soles got sore Till my battery died, Joe Black said it right The grind don't stop until the line don't pop When I get home, you know I rock those socks off Can I keep my cap on? Never been a track that I cap on Never been a verse I ain't snap on Wanna take a pick, get a cannon I ain't on until Listen to 98 song is Holloway Flip. Well, Relevant has a lot happening this year, and we don't want you to miss a thing. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com, and we'll send you our top five trending stories sent to your inbox every weekday. We'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes, some uh, fan extras, and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year. Make sure to sign up. It's the best way to keep in touch with everything we got going on. Well, our guest today is Jamie Torkowski. He's an author, best-selling author, New York Times best-selling author, speaker, and the founder of the nonprofit organization To Write Love in Our Arms. Um, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, so we knew we wanted to speak with Jamie about how we can continue to advocate for better mental health. We talked to him about the role community plays in our mental health and how we can find help whenever we need it. Here's our conversation with our friend, Jamie Torkowski. You, like you've been in this conversation for a really long time. Um, and I think every year the mental health conversation grows and changes in different ways. In 2023, what do you think um, is maybe a big issue that um, the mental health conversation is kind of facing right now? Yeah, no, that's a great question. As we sit here, I know yesterday I saw multiple headlines. I believe it was the 
Surgeon General released a report on essentially the epidemic of loneliness in America. And, you know, it's not the first article or set of articles that I've seen. Um, so I think through, you know, paying attention to the news, I think loneliness and, and I think I immediately go to connection, right? Like maybe connection as the solution or the opposite of loneliness. And I've been leading a lot of small group conversations in my recent work. So since leaving to write Love on Her Arms and spending a lot of time on these Zoom calls with uh, seven, eight, nine people at a time and have really just fallen in love with connection and have, have become so fascinated by it. And so I think it's interesting where it, yesterday was interesting, I think, to, to see something I'm naturally feeling drawn to and thinking about in my own life, in my work, uh, and then to see that, th that there's a real mental health aspect and even physical health aspect and just this simple reality that so many of us, so many adults live alone, live without real friendships, without vulnerability, you know, without the chance, I think, to feel known and loved. So that's what comes to mind for sure. There, there, there are certainly other things, you know, down the list, other things that are important, technology, social media, the way these things contribute to anxiety, stress, right? I mean, we, we could talk for a long time, climate change, politics, bullying, ignorance, uh, just, you know, some of the ugliness we find online. But I think I've been really, really fascinated by connection. Do you have any tips on like creating like important friendships as an adult? Because I think a lot of people, they just don't even know where to start. Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I would not have expected that leading small groups on Zoom would turn into kind of a case study for me for friendship and connection. But I, I really have, I feel like I've been learning some things and and i think we not only me but the the group we talk about it or, or in various groups and i think so much of it comes down to being intentional and being open you know there's even an intentionality and i'm not promoting groups or, or pretending hey that's the solution is we all need to be on zoom but there's something intentional about being part of a group right and showing up to a meeting that we plan on and I contrast that with my closest friends who live literally a mile away, my lifelong best friends who I can go weeks without seeing, you know? And, and we, when we leave it to chance, we end up not getting lunch. We end up not getting coffee or dinner. And, and again, they're busy, they, they work, they have families. But I think it has made me realize I, I can't be responsible for anyone else's schedule or them showing up as a good friend or inviting me to things. I can only, I'm only responsible for my actions. And, and so I can choose to be open. You know, sometimes my counselor will just flat out ask, are you leaving your house enough? Like, are you going out into the world? Whether that is walking your dog, going to the cafe for lunch, like just 
being around other people. There's a line or even a phrase in Blue Like Jazz from forever ago, this idea that other people exist. Like I have to be reminded that other people exist. But specifically to answer your question, I, I think uh, when vulnerability, like when real, honest, open relationships, when vulnerability is met with presence, attention, compassion, encouragement, I think that is a recipe for connection. And I think consistent connection, which requires us to be intentional, to make plans, to be specific, I think that leads to community. You know, so I, I think that's just some, based on kind of some things I've been thinking about. It's not an expert opinion, uh, but I think I'm realizing that, hey, when, when, when we choose to share, when we choose to talk about the real things, like not just pretending to have it all together and talk about the promotion or the vacation, but to talk about our grief and our confusion and life's biggest questions. Like when we share those parts of us with other people and it goes well, like when someone gives us their presence and doesn't try to fix it or solve it, but you know, responds with empathy and compassion. I, I think that allows us to feel known and to feel close to another person. And you do that consistently. And I think that is a friendship. But I like the idea of encouraging people to do things that they love. So if there's a park that you love to walk through, if there's a coffee shop you want to hang out at, do those things that are true to you. And hopefully you put yourself in a position to bump into other people who share those interests, people who might be like-minded. Of course, we hope, you and I were talking about Nashville earlier, you live in Nashville. You know, you hope that you live in a place you feel good about and within that town or city, you get to kind of find your spots. And, and maybe it's not just a coffee shop, maybe it's joining a book club or a softball team, right? But I, I like the idea that by being specific and being intentional, we hopefully put ourselves in positions to make friends. I think there's a lot of things the church could be doing to better address this, but what is like one thing that you really think that maybe for the next foreseeable future, the church needs to focus on um, to help those who are struggling with mental health? Well, I think, again, I, I think the hope is that we would all live in a world and, and the church included where it wouldn't be treated differently than a broken leg or a sprained wrist or, you know, someone with a a cancer diagnosis, all the ways that we acknowledge that our bodies are fragile, all the ways that we acknowledge, hopefully science and medicine, doctors, hospitals, right? Like we just understand there are places, there are people and places where these needs are met. I think the hope is that the church would serve as a bridge to these places. You know, again, if someone broke their leg in the parking lot of the church, I don't think there would be a lot of debate over what to do or how to address it, right? If people want to pray, go for it. But please call an ambulance or can, you know, like, how do we address the broken leg? And so I just think the hope is that it wouldn't be mutually exclusive, you know, that I, I believe in a God who 
loves me, who wants to know me, who wants to meet me in my grief, who's not afraid of my questions, who's not afraid of, you know, the messy parts, the, the paradox parts. And uh, I think just hope that the church would acknowledge, you know, all of it, like even what, looking at what we've talked about today, just loneliness, right? So the idea like, you know, the church is obviously inviting people to be in relationship with God, which is great, which is beautiful, but how how do we, what does that look like, right? So so what does actual physical community look like, right? So, so how do you address loneliness within the church? How do you address the lack of connection that so many people, so many adults experience, um, right? Maybe it feels like I was part of the youth group, I was part of the college group, I was in a singles group, and then did I age out? Like my, the needs are still the same, but where do I find that? How do I find that? You know, so I, I think the hope is that the church would just be interested in all the aspects, the, the relational, the conversational, the social, all the way to like being aware of the treatment centers and counseling offices in their local community, you know, that, so that when someone is struggling or there's a crisis, they're not scratching their heads, but they're aware and they even have relationships. They even, they know what those practical solutions are. And then, you know, I think there's also just a part to play that all of us, you, me, a pastor, anyone in, I think, any space, as we talk openly and honestly about our mental health, we give other people permission to do the same, whether it's direct or indirect. And, and the hope is if you have a stage, literal or otherwise, if, if you're a pastor, if you have a podcast, if you can acknowledge your humanity, if you can speak with vulnerability, if you can acknowledge that life is hard, you give other people permission to do the same. So I love the idea of a sermon where someone touches on their mental health or their grief or their uncertainty, you know, just, just any number of the ways that life is hard. And the hope is it gives the audience, the congregation, the listener, it, it plants the seed that, hey, they were honest, they were vulnerable, maybe I could do the same. And I think that helps us begin to live in a world where we, where the stigma goes away because we believe that we, that this is a part of life that not only we can talk about, but we need to talk about. Was Jamie Torkowski. You should subscribe to his Substack. He's 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 killing it. He's on the front page of Substack right now. And obviously, he's got his book out and everything. I'm glad he's writing again. Okay, stay tuned. Up next, it's our game. Most likely to. It's not really a game. It's our it's our segment called Most Likely to. Your own head, stuck in the cycle, pushing out, so I might as well give someone else a try. 
You're listening to Ray Lynn and Judah. The song is somebody else. Now, the Judah is the all caps Judah with the period, not Judah Smith. May be confusing because Judah Smith was on the new Lana Del Rey album. No, this is the singer Judah. Yeah, Judah, not Judah Smith. Today's show is brought to you in part by The Chosen. Season four of The Chosen is coming to theaters nationwide on February 1st. And this season has everything. Clashing kingdoms, rival rulers, and when they're threatened by the reality of Jesus' growing influence, religious leaders do the unthinkable, choose to ally themselves with the Romans. As the seeds of betrayal are planted in opposition to Jesus' message turns violent, he's left with no alternative but to demand his followers rise up. So get ready, relevant podcast listeners. February 1st is the big release day. Go get your tickets now at thechosenriseup.com. Okay, it's graduation time. You know, colleges are graduating next week, most of them. Uh, So this is yearbook week. This is when, you know, and I guess high schools more do this than than colleges, but like superlatives, seniors, you know, most likely to succeed, funniest, da, da, da. So we have superlatives. We're calling this game most likely to. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to tell you different. I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to put a superlative out there. You guys tell us who on the podcast, including Jamie Ivey, would would take these different uh, okay. monikers. Here we go. Who's most likely to move to Monkey Island? It's in Florida. It's outside of Tampa. Most likely to move to Monkey Island. I'm putting this one on Jesse. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I feel like I've you would move for like it. research purposes. <laughs> I could, I could <laughs> find a lot of reasons. I think just you know, starting over among the primates sometimes seems pretty appealing. So yeah, I'll, I received the crown. <laughs> Jason, our producer, could also uh, be a, a nominee on this, too, by the way. Okay. okay. Uh, who's most likely to cancel plans with friends at the last minute? Oh, I'm going to say Derek Miner because he did that to me last week, last <laughs> oh Sunday. Oh, my God. <laughs> Derek, you're never going to get free of that. <laughs> Sorry, I was on he was tired. eight of a <laughs> Who's most likely to cancel plans with friends because they're tired? How's that? There we go. Derek Miner. Derek Derek Miner. Miner. Yeah. All right. Who's most likely to win a hot dog eating contest? Definitely Jesse, without a doubt. Really? I mean, I could I could throw down some dogs. I, I think it's not so much the hot dog thing; it's just the contest. Obviously, people know I, I compete to win. I play to win, so obviously. Yeah. Who's the most likely to go a week without a shower? Oh, Cameron. Yeah, me for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Cameron's single in his sweatpants at home. I'm literally wearing sweatshorts right now that I was wearing yesterday. So there you go. All right. Uh, who's most likely? Y'all don't see below the t-shirt. You don't know what's going on down there. I, I, know, I can so wear the my fact sweatshorts. That you admitted it is just funny. Yeah. You outed yourself. That's fine. He was right. I agreed. I read that. And I'm like me. Um, okay. Uh, who's most likely to replace salt with sugar while cooking? Like Emily, I didn't. I didn't write these. So intentionally that, or unintentionally? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is this a mistake? I think it was or, like an unintentional thing. Oh, they just not paying attention to the white yeah thing that they're sprinkling on. I don't believe. I don't believe in recipes, so that would not happen to me. I just kind of. I'm just going for it. You know, it's it's All a the, live experimentation. Jamie says she's a terrible cook. Jamie, it might be Jamie. She's a terrible yeah. cook. Yeah. Well, Sorry, Jamie. Jamie. You might take this one. I love you, Jamie. But uh, <laughs> yeah, who's the most likely to join an MLM? 
How many, Jamie? Depends Jamie? on the product. Depends on the product. Oh, you know what? <laughs> Jamie probably wish she wouldn't even know it was an MLM. Hey guys, <laughs> I'm selling these supplements. <laughs> I've got some of this. I got these new yoga pants I'm selling, these leggings. Yeah. Oh man. They're great. It's all natural fibers. You'll love them. Um, who is most likely to be on the news for a scam? For getting scammed? For scamming or getting scammed? Getting scammed. Getting scammed. Jamie. I'm gonna go with, yeah, I mean, Jamie or Jason? I was going to say Jason. They're so good natured. I think they would. I oh, think they'd think be. I, I, yeah. I, th- I think Jason would. Yeah, he's trusting. I, no, I think he would get Jamie duped. the same. Yeah, Jamie too. Trust, it's the trust it's issue. Because you're saying. so kind and supportive, yeah, and you would support true. someone with a scam. Who's the most likely to get hangry? I'm gonna uh, put myself pers- on this one. I'm gonna put myself on that one. So, <laughs> like, I think we all. Former oh, employees I, have written blogs about me getting hangry, I, so you know. I, I eat constantly, so it just doesn't happen. I, yeah. So not Jesse. Got it. Yeah. Not Jesse. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who's most likely to forget their car keys inside their car? Oh, me. I, I have done that multiple times. I, oh. I literally did it this morning, Emily, so I'm with you. <laughs> I, have a I yeah, literally I, did it. Me and Derek, it can't happen. Car key. Okay. I, never, I haven't seen one of those in a while. I haven't seen a car key in years. I like. I got into a rental car not long ago, and I didn't know why it wasn't going. Is because you have to start the car. Because oh I'm so you so Rich used people. to. Shut up. <laughs> uh, who is the most likely to call the restaurant manager to complain during a meal? My mom. I'm gonna go, Jamie. Joyce, Joyce Hawkins. Joyce Hawkins does it every meal. So me, by way of my mom. <laughs> Who's the most likely to tell a joke that gets them into trouble? Oh me. Oh, um, yeah, I mean that's yeah. yeah. I get yeah. it from, from from age about seven to forty. That's been a problem for me. So yeah, I, I, literally I every report card I ever got in elementary school, the teacher put a note. Cameron's a good student. He just talks a lot and distracts yeah. other students. And mm-hmm. so, uh, same thing. Yeah. Uh, who's most likely to click on a spam ad pop up on the internet? Again, the trusting part of it, I would say Jason or Jamie. Yeah, I'm very skeptical of anything online. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's most likely to disappear for a year? <laughs> I think I could do it, honestly. I, like the amount of times last year when I would just like pop up in a different city and I hadn't told anyone, I think I could, I think I could do it. I'll just be honest. The only reason I haven't disappeared now is because I don't have enough money. Like if, if I hit yeah, the lottery, it sounds appealing. If I hit the lottery, just if you don't have my phone number, I'm sorry. See ya. Like, I think we're all on the same length wavelength here because I'm going. If money was no object, you would not see me again. I mean, I would be, I would be gone. Like, yeah. that's it. Uh, who's most likely to join a reality show? Jesse. I mean, I've, I could see that. I would, I would gladly wild card into the scenario. You know, if it's Survivor specifically, the- Cameron's joining. But yeah, I've, any you know, other reality I have been show. watching. I have been watching so much Survivor. Still, it's still happening. I haven't run out yet. I'm about to though. Okay, last one. Who's most likely to have an embarrassing tattoo? Emily. For mm-hmm. some reason, I think Jamie. <laughs> I think she went through a wild spurt early college. She might have one. Wait, yeah. you're talking like the lower back thing or something? Like, I don't know. like it didn't Maybe age well? Ankle. I'm thinking ankle. I think I think there's an ankle situation. I don't know. We'll have to ask her. We'll have to ask her. I, I will take Cameron, this one. I can see Cameron with a, a random rap logo somewhere on his body. 
like just a random like dilated people's logo so <laughs> I do think this is gonna be me I, like one time I picked a tattoo on the way to the tattoo shop like I didn't have one in mind as I was oh, driving Emily. I was like uh, I'll get that as one does yeah. can't do it alright well that'll do it for most likely two that was fun alright happy graduation season yearbook season everybody before we wrap things up, I want to thank Jamie Torkowski for joining us today. Make sure to check out his Substack and his book and all the stuff he's up to. Is He's got mentor groups. He's got speaking engagements. You can find out all the info at jamietorkowski.com. That's T-W-O-R-K-O-W-S-K-I. Torkowski.com. Uh, before we wrap things up, I want to remind you to check out the spring issue of Relevant if you haven't already. Got amazing conversations with Royal Otis, uh, Fitz and the Tantrums, Michael B. Jordan, Beth Moore. We look at the Jesus Revolution film that's just now out on DVD. Record-setting film. Uh, a lot more. It's available for free. Just click on the magazine tab right there at relevantmagazine.com. If you want the beautifully designed enhanced edition, join Relevant Plus. It's the best way to experience our content, and it's all ad-free. Website, podcast, magazine, everything. Ad-free. Just... Plans start as low as $250 a month. You can find out all the info by clicking the Relevant Plus tab at relevantmagazine.com. Also, if you don't check out the website every day, you should. We're covering the intersection of faith, life, justice, and culture. You can sign up for our daily newsletter to get updates about what we're posting. You can follow us on all the socials as well. Um, keep in touch. Let's, let's do it. Let's do this together. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Emily Brown. Here's Miner. We'll see you on Friday. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. You would not think that's a blader, okay? Relevant Podcast Network.